Well, hello and welcome to, oh, that's right, I'm gay. Well, good afternoon to yourself. How are you? I am, I'm great. I am just great. I uh, have been doing some cooking projects and I sprayed, accidentally sprayed fish sauce all over my apartment, which was nice. Ooh, so you're fishy now, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, that's great. Fish sauce, if you don't, haven't used it for cooking before, it is very potent. <laughs> but so good. It is so good. I was, I was making kimchi. I'm a lunatic and can't do anything in moderation. And I made uh, like over 14 pounds of cabbage. There are Instagram pictures. It's great. Um, wow. <laughs> it's really good on Brussels sprouts too. You should try it. Sometime. I'm excited. I'm excited. But anyway, what if, how's your quarantine been, sir? Because, you know, what is this? Day 755,000? I think it's roughly we're at the we're at the cusp of week eleven, I think. Okay, I've been seeing all those great memes that are like, "Hey guys, it's Mar- March seventy fifth. That's <laughs> like, funny. yes, yes, it is. <laughs> that's completely accurate. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. Far less cooking than you, then, but fine, you know. No good, good. I don't I- cook. I eat like a bachelor all the time. That's true. Even when I have a boyfriend, I eat like a bachelor, but. <laughs> They're like, I'm like, would you like me to cook something for us? I'm like, no. It's sad, but. You're like, no, but the restaurant does it so much better. Hey, I offered, you know, I never promised you a, a domestic bliss life. Now, did I? Nope. No, you didn't. You, you promised other things that we can't, you know. <laughs> we can't speak of those things. You asked for Donna Reed, you got Donna Breed. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> but you got a Donna. They did. So yeah, so we let's 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 just dive right in, shall we? Well, so, you have a surprise for me, do you not? <laughs> I do. I have a surprise for you. Um, I'm very excited. The only reason that it's a surprise is because I didn't want. I wanted your natural reaction to it. Um, and this is so. This is gold. It's so fucking funny. I actually told Eric about it the other night. Eric. <gasps> In case anyone forgot from episode one, that's our sound engineeress. Hi, Eric. <laughs> he's just waving. Yeah, he's, he's just waving. It's fine. He's waving. I'm at- unmute. All right. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't have- that was more rhetorical just for you. You didn't have to answer. <laughs> they don't need to know about you. It's fine. He doesn't want to talk because he's like, you two lunatics just talk yourselves to death and I'll be here. <laughs> <laughs> you, two won't, you two keep fucking rambling. Um, so the first... <laughs> So for the surprise topic for Andy today, the title of this article, this is from Time. This is from Time. And the title of the article is, this 66-year-old woman is suing all gay people. Yes, all of them. <laughs> now, the ba- I have bad news and I have good news. The bad news is I already read that article. Oh, damn it! But the good news is, is that I also saw someone post it on Facebook and the jokes were flying all over the place. Like, I think I said something like, we all went to Nebraska to like testify because that's where the case is. Mm-hmm. And I was like, your honor, you see, I had had to take my mask off to testify under oath. And then because of that, I ended up under something else too. So I had had sex with all these people. We, there were jokes everywhere, jokes. <laughs> Hung jury jokes. You know, bang that gavel jokes, like, all over the place. It was ridiculous. I also love that fucking, uh, what's his name, Dan Savage was like, man, I hope I get deposed. Seriously. So, I, no, I'm like, bring it. I will go there, honey. I will testify in oh, a court man. of law. The stenographer will actually die on the stand and have to be replaced because I said so much. That was so graphic. Cause you're gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be quite the filibuster. If I'm being honest, he's he's just gonna keep going. Oh yeah, uh, but I have a lot to say. And, and I'm, this isn't even me testifying, trying to get acquitted. I'm allocuting because I did it. I'm guilty. <laughs> yep, yeah. homosexual. Check. It's my allocution, and it's not pretty. Not to be confused with elocution. It's your allocution. Yes, huh? yes, yes. <laughs> Um, and unlike anything that goes on here, there might possibly be a chance of a reduced sentence. <laughs> there you go. But not here, um, because we ramble all the time, get it? I do, it's very true, very true. Uh, I do, I do want to read the quote from the article, because it's pretty, it's pretty good. So this is the woman, her name is Sylvia Driscoll. She's of six. Of course it is. 
<laughs> she's 66 years old. And also she does, she is self-described as an ambassador of God and his son, Jesus Christ. So the quote, the quote from the article is, I never thought that I would see a day in which our great nation or our great state of Nebraska would become so compliant to the complicity, complicity, eh, complicity of some people's lewd behavior, writes Driscoll, who also says that homosexuality is a sin and that homosexuals know it is a sin to live a life of homosexuality. Why else would they have been hiding in the closet? Well, Miss. Mrs. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Driscoll, Driscoll. Let me tell you something. The reason they were hiding in a closet for so many years is because they feared for their lives for a while. <laughs> that is why, <laughs> not for any other, not for any other reason. Because and after that, after they weren't afraid, they weren't hiding. They were taking an exceedingly long amount of time finding that sequin jacket they know they have. <laughs> I just need the right outfit for this occasion. And I want to wear that jacket, and by God, I'm going to find it. But yeah, that so sentence, man, I'm going to have to look at that in writing when I'm done with this, because complicit to your compliance, that doesn't make any sense, Ms. Driscoll. If you're going to chunk, you better check your lipstick and your vocabulary before you come for me, Sylvia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, oh my God, so ridiculous. Oh my God, can I please go there and like defend all of us? I want to do it, even though I don't have a law degree, I would so do it. I want you to. I fully support it. It would be another, um, what's that movie? And Justice for All? The Al yes. movie? Yeah, yeah, This whole court is out of order! I would be giving you dramatics, honey. Fireworks. Girl. Pyro pyrotechnics. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Well, yeah, so that was my that was my surprise article for Andy that I was hoping he didn't know already about, but here we are. We should do it again, though. I was nervous and excited. You were very what? You were very what? Very I I'm not doing it again. <laughs> I can only do that right before we started. I can only do that bit once an episode. Um, I gotta stop. I'm addicted. Cody and I did did all of her lines back and forth on voice messages the other day, and it was like it's too much. So, <laughs> so, Andy, would you like to breach our next topic? Sure, sure. Breach it like a whale. Breach it. So for our first topic of discussion today, we, just for fun, are going to delve into an age-old homosexual question that doesn't need to be answered, but why not try? Uh, it's philosophical in nature because it doesn't matter. Um, all that matters is that it's true. Why do gay men seem to love musical theater so, so much? Not all, but a lot. A lot of discerning, classy gay men with taste and distinction like Nicholas here, who insists that he's not a musical theater queen, although when he likes a musical, he likes a musical. It's, a, it's an interesting phenomenon. He loves to make fun of me because I, <laughs> I remember the first time we were talking about it, I was like, oh, I mean, I don't know, I kind of like it, blah, blah, blah. But then that, I'll, let him tell, I'll let him tell why he got so like flustered by the whole thing. Well, because you had told me when I first met you that you're like, ah, you know, I, I, uh, I can take or leave musicals. And I was like, oh, okay, that, that's fine. I mean, I'm a avid, you know, rabid, you know, foaming at the mouth musical theater queen, but like not everyone has to be. And then we get to a little show, a little, a little gem called Into the Woods comes up one day in our friendship. And, and all of a sudden, like, you know, he knows every lyric, he knows every nuance, he knows every, every phrase, he knows every original actor in the company. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. So you told me that you're not a musical theater queen, and yet you are like fangirling out over Into the Woods. But it's, it's, it's focused like a laser. It's only certain music. What are the other musicals? I always forget. So, uh, <laughs> so I do get really into certain ones. I mean, especially because when I was a kid, my parents, they would go to theater a lot. They still do, but my, my parents, when they would go and my mom would get the soundtracks and stuff, I would listen to the soundtracks and I would get like really obsessed with like different shows and stuff. But the ones I was like really obsessed with, actually Into the Woods was much later. That was probably in the past, like, God, probably the past like eight to 10 years, probably the past like eight years. Really? But, yeah. Well, what am I, I can't believe I asked you the question without saying that the one I know, number two, Sweeney Todd. 
I know that. Sweeney Todd, I love, 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 love. You that. love Sweeney Todd. <laughs> it's like, it's, I do, it, their um, Sondheim just really gets me, apparently. But I mean, Sweeney Todd's another one. That one I was also obsessed with. I've watched the original cast recording with Angela and Angela Lansbury and George. Four-time um, Tony winner. God, that show is fucking amazing. Anyone who doesn't like that fucking production, you leave right now. <laughs> it's just so good. She's so good. She's so fucking crazy. Anybody um, who doesn't like that show, we should make a meat pie out of. Yeah, meat pies for ah. um, but, but you know, so Nick, Nick picks and chooses. He's discerning. Um, so, picks and so chooses. Well, the I other like- ones are so yes, <laughs> the Sweeney Todd and Into the Woods. But also, I fucking love, love, love cabaret that was actually my oh yes that was actually my first obsession that i know yes. song inside and out cabaret i love chicago again candor and ab another another musical pair that i enjoy what is the other one? i also this is a kind of a weird oh well little shop of horrors of course which yeah made, which may be the, the title of this episode we, we might do a little shop of horrors one. reasons that you might have guessed already because you've listened to the beginning of said podcast, but you have to figure it out. It's a mystery. It's a medical mystery. Anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, uh, the music, the, not the music man. I almost said it. And if you listen to episode one, you know I said the music man go fuck itself. Yeah, and I stand by the musical it. returns to the podcast. Yeah, and the funny, the best part about that was I got... <laughs> I got shit from our, our, we have a super fan cult happening in Tucson, Arizona. I'm pretty sure they're in Tucson, Arizona. And uh, she, she was like, I love the music band. And she was like giving me shit on Facebook about it. But Uh I stand by hating the music man. Um, Not the music man. uh, The the full Monty. Why did I say the music man? Does not make sense? The full Monty. I love the full Monty. It's so good. If you have not seen it, uh, or listen to the soundtrack, highly recommend it. It's fucking hysterical. And um, Patrick Wilson was naked. And Patrick Will and Patrick Wilson was naked. And Patrick Wilson was naked. What were the other uh, well obviously like, you know, Wicked I really love. And I actually don't love all the music from it. There are just a lot there are probably like five or six numbers that I really love. But honestly most of the songs in that I actually don't like. Um, they feel they feel kinda like cannon fodder. Not cannon fodder, that that's not fair. But they feel like they're just not as filler. Like some, yeah, they feel like filler. They feel like filler. And I would like to point out that we did a test run of this very podcast, and I kind of wish it had made it into an actual aired episode because this one thought he could actually say the phrases for good and popular near each other and not get me to sing half the score of Wicked over the podcast. I was like, fool, how could you do that? You can't trigger me. Most of this podcast is going to be Nick avoiding landmines of triggering me. Grey Gardens, Wicked, a whole um, Kennedy Davenport in the Snatch Game. There's, there's <laughs> landmines everywhere. Everywhere you look. But, oh, yeah, that's why I say so many goddamn ums, Eric, because I'm trying to avoid all these triggering landmines that are going to send Andy into a, a homosexual fucking tornado of... A tizzy. A tizzy, yes. I'm very, I'm very uh, you know, easily triggerable. But I will say, Nick, for someone who is a selective musical theater fan, you do have very good taste in what you do Thank like. Thank you. Thank you. I will say that. Yeah. Um, I like most everything because I am an avowed, official, full-time musical theater queen. Yeah, you go to shows. Well, when we were allowed outside, Andy... When there were shows... I'm also queen of the lottery. I have ridiculously good luck with lotteries. So if any of you want to become my friend and go to a Broadway show with me when they exist again, stick with me, kid, because I... I win and win and win and win. I, w- I win the same lottery twice because I entered it by accident again. So like, it's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> oh my God. But so let's see. I, I think, well, we have to go back to, you know, the inception of, of musical theater as we know it, which is really like the 50s and 60s. Like talking about like My Fair Lady. I love that too, actually. You do? That. Oh, yeah. look at you. The rain is spine stays mainly in the plane. That that fucking cockney bitch cracks me Eliza up. Doolittle. <laughs> um, so, yeah, back then, I feel like gay men probably were drawn to it because, you know, gay men love pageantry. They love spectacle. They love costumes. They love dance numbers, you know, artifice and, you know, sheen. And, and that's and they, just... 
And that's just what they do when they get up in the morning. Like, that's my routine. Oh, yeah. I was, I, yeah, that, that was my preamble to what I was going to say. I was, I was pumping myself up. <laughs> I, I was fluffing myself, you know. <laughs> but they love all that. And, and, you know, back in that time period, like, gay men were so much more closeted than they are now. But the thing that you have to remember is that musical theater was really everyone's jam back then. You had original cast recordings going to number one on Billboard, setting records, West Side Story, the movie, uh, The Sound of Music, the movie, My Fair Lady, which we just mentioned, uh, Hello Dolly. Like, they, they, they're they number one on the charts the way that, like, Ariana Grande is today. Like, it was like, Hello Dolly. Like, so it was, yeah. they could they could hide in there. They could not be suspicious the way they are. I mean, if a gay man goes to, if a man goes to musical theater now, you're like, you're gay. Like, it's like a dead <laughs> giveaway. Back then, everyone did. That's what you did. It was like what classy people with enough money to go did. So it was a nice way for them to like, you know, love theater and love this pageantry without being like, why are you here? Where's your wife? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I think, you know, when you go to musical theater school, I never did, but I know a lot of people who did. (laughs) Who were just scammed and whatnot. Um, You know, they always say that a musical has songs because the character has so much to say that they can't say it any other way but in song. So I feel like that sort of like, bursting out of emotions was you know good for you know a group of people who were very repressed at the time they wanted to see a burst of emotion they wanted to see someone splatter their feelings all over the place and you know the proscenium arch as it were (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's me when i'm trying to order takeout i get so full of emotions i just burst out into song (laughs) you really do (laughs) i just love food i can't help he's not kidding yeah. Uber um, Eats was very confused. I was like, "Who is this a prank call?" It's like, "I would like a lunch special today," and they thought he was a maniac. They blocked his number. Oh man! But what do you think? Um, I I mean I think it definitely it's in that same vein. I think it was a good it was a good camouflage for for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, I know someone's gonna listen to this and be like, "Those two are totally off base." We would love your opinion. Um, feel free to message us on our Instagram, uh, which I will provide later because I can't remember it off the top of my head. But oh, it's, it's it, <laughs> yes, it is actually it's o t r i gay dot podcast. So oh, that's right, I'm gay dot podcast. But it's o t r i gay dot podcast on Instagram. So if you want to comment, let let us know how you feel. That's a great way to do. it. 80% acronym, 20% word. Yes. There we go. Exactly. Get into it. But, but yeah, so I, I definitely, I think that's definitely part of it. I think there was the idea that it was easy to, it was a little bit easier to hide. You could still be yourself. Um, and another thing we brought up, because we, we, I mean, me and Andy, like, you know, we talk about this shit, all stuff like this a lot. But, like, I think one thing that's come up before for both of us is, you know, there's, there is, was often a strong female lead, like, and, and gay men related to that. They related to that character that was kind of probably often like, you know, beat up, shut in. Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. Example, yes, know, God. They related to that because, you know, they were, they had to hide from their family. They couldn't be themselves. They couldn't be out and about. You're right. And, you know, we, we, we felt that we felt for them. And you know who doesn't like a musical number or sequence? I mean, you know. And, and you bring up a really good point because, you know, strong female leads did not start with Netflix sections, okay? Like, they started with musical theater. Because most of the time, the, the lead female character has some sort of obstacle to overcome. She's, like, imperiled. She has her amazing 11 o'clock number to talk about it, and then everything works out. So it was, like, wish fulfillment. You know. Yes. And, of course, that obviously is not an absolute, but... I think earlier on, probably, that was probably a lot more true, where you would see that probably all the time. Oh, yeah, it was a truth. But your example of Audrey was spot on. And also, oh, and and fucking, what's her name? Uh, From Cabaret, uh, Sally Bowles. Sally Bowles. Another one. She's, you know, that that was the goddamn, what was that? The Baker's Wife. Yeah, the Baker's Wife. Mrs. Lovett. Oh, Mrs. Love it. See, but she's she's put together though. Sally was like a fuck. I mean, she's crazy, but put together. Sally was a fucking dumpster fire. She was a mess. <laughs> Except for the movie, because Liza just came in like, oh, this character can't sing. Well, I can. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Oh, I always forget that that was a thing. That was like I the know. joke. I always forget that was kind of the joke behind it, that she kind of wasn't really supposed to be able to sing. And Liza's like, well, I'm not having that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no. <laughs> I don't play people who can't sing. <laughs> you casted the wrong person. But I mean, thank God, because that movie is amazing. So. But, uh, but yeah. yeah, no, I think, what, any, any other thoughts? I mean, the, the strong female lead, I think, is, is I think that's a really big part. I think those are probably the two biggest parts of that. Strong female lead and what was the other thing? And uh, uh, being able to kind of hide amongst that crowd like and feel kind of camouflaged and not like uh, uh, isolated. Uh, yeah. And I think also when you really think about it, like a musical is never as grounded in reality as a straight play. I mean, there's a, probably a reason why they call it a straight play is because musicals are gay. <laughs> Honestly, I will put money on that. I'm literally going to even Google it right now. I also right? just triggered Andy by saying literally, but here we are. Oh, literally. No, but <laughs> like, I mean, so gay men would go, you know, gay men, when they were closeted back then, you know, they, their lives were a little bit more mundane than they probably wish they were because they weren't living their truth and everything. So they go to a musical, everything is heightened, the stakes are high. Those madcap shenanigans running around. Like, they just wanted to see people just, like, living balls out. Like, people always do in musicals. Like, you know, people do and say whatever the hell they want in musicals because it's a musical. It's not based in reality. Yes, exactly. It's not based in reality. Okay. I mean, really, the overarching answer is just that musicals are gay and that's why we like them. Is it, It's a chicken or the egg. <laughs> yeah. We're gay, so we like musical theater. And musical theater was made for gay people. And around and around and around and around we go. It just is. It just is. Like when, uh, like, remember the other day when you were talking about going to that um, protest by your house at the courthouse? Yes. The minute he said to me on the steps of the courthouse, I was like, I swear to God, I thought you were going to say on the steps of the palace. And he said it like in unison with me because of how much he likes Into the Woods. It's true. It permeates <laughs> our lives. I, and it's funny too because when I said it, I was like, "This bitch is about to break out." In the <laughs> I knew it was about to happen. I had to. Oh my god! You can't. She can't help it. She can't help it. She's busting at the seams with emotion and energy. I have to sing. It's my only option. I'd like to teach the world. To, okay, that's not. She was giving me shoulder shimmy. You can't see, but I can. It was a little bit, just a touch. Deep just shoulder a, action. Give, give me that deep shoulder action. <laughs> and another thing that's interesting is just like adjacent musicals like like things that are like adjacent to being musicals like they're not quite there but they kind of are I like feel like what? those those types of movies because usually their movies are so popular and they do really well usually among gay men deep shoulder action fucking huh. oh man why does my brain stop functioning what is that movie called which one oh my god Give me that deep shoulder action. The audience is like screaming it right now if they're listening to me figure it out, unless edit, Eric edits this out. Fucking, what is that goddamn, with the nuns. Oh my, sister act. Jesus. Oh my God. Give me God, that deep yeah. shoulder action. Thank you. Um, everyone, I want Eric to not edit that because I want everyone to go through what I just went through. I want them to be screaming at their fucking phones. Sister act, you fucking idiot. Because I know that's but are we, Is this going to lead to a debate about which one is better, part one or part two? That is a tough call, and it may. And I will fight you. <laughs> it, it, they're both, they are both good. I enjoy both. They are. Um, there are I more am... nuns in one, and I thought that was kind of, what just made that kind of funny. There are I... nuns in the second one, but not as many. But like, the it's music all about the kids. in two is way better. That's fair. The music in two was better. The, well, the ones in, the music in the first one was, those were more original songs, because they edited them a little bit. Like, they, they were original songs. They were obviously. Yeah, they changed the lyrics. They bit. changed the lyrics. Whereas yeah. I feel like the second one, that was not the case. Other than the rap, probably. That was, that was written for that. But. but you have Cheryl Lee Ralph's epic performance as Lauryn Hill's mother, which I never get tired of, ever. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wants, to be in that, she wants to get that permission slip signed. And her mother's like, well, your father died with his coulda, woulda, shoulda, the choir and the competition are out. And she's like, but mama, if you button mama me one more time, <laughs> she is living for herself. <laughs> Okay. Get this man a Tony, Tony, Tony. She is the best part of that movie. She's the secret weapon of that movie. If because then Lori Hill goes to sing her solo at the end and she sees her mother and they're just staring at each other. And the poor pianist is like, playing the beginning. And nothing happens. Playing the beginning. But then Lauren's like, all right, I'm going to show you how much I love singing. Okay? Yeah. Mama, 
Um, and then another and that uh, woman in the background is signing for her life. Why? I don't really know. Do you remember <laughs> that part? Yes, I do. <laughs> she is signing. Bitch, how I many fucking deaf people signing. are in this yeah. audience at the all-state music competition in Orange County, California? I've seen the movie 900 times. I know every part of it. So good. So good. <laughs> uh, another, another, uh, another musical... Another? Another, another musical adjacent movie I was thinking of was, and I actually don't know if you've even seen this. Uh, <gasps> uh, what's it called? Uh, Pitch Perfect. Oh, I've, I've seen um, part one and part two. I haven't seen part three. I haven't seen the third one either. I've seen the first two. But P- Pitch Perfect, the first one is by far the best. As oh, they I go it. on, I, haven't, I don't remember the third one, but like the second one was infinitely more campy, um, yeah. which is fine, which is yeah. fine. And I think the gay the gays love a good they love campy shit like they really do, but well um, now we're gonna get into a literal campy subject which is Anna Kendrick because she's very divisive and she was in the movie Camp. Oh okay, I didn't. Some, some gays hate her and some gays love her. I personally love her. I like her. I enjoy. I loved her in Pitch Perfect. I think she people was don't perfect. like her. It's very strange. I don't really know what it is. I I think she's great. Yeah, no, I enjoy her. I enjoy Pitch Perfect is one of my, and I, everyone's like, why? Pitch Perfect is one of my favorite movies. The it, first one's really cute. It is. It's really cute. I like the little love story. I love, one of my favorite scenes in that movie is when Brittany Murphy goes into the shower with her, right? Is that a thing? No, Brittany Murphy was dead at the time. Eric, edit this out. No, don't edit it out. Embarrass me. Because you I'm mean, what is her? do you mean Anna Camp? No, you no. mean the girl from Hairspray. God damn it, hold on. He may need um, to edit this what because the hell I need to Brittany Snow. Her What's her name? Brittany Snow. Brittany Snow. Yes! Brittany. <laughs> Eric, you can leave me being a complete fool in. Um, <laughs> Brittany Murphy. Brittany um, Murphy did a really, really excellent job in Pitch Perfect, considering she was dead. <laughs> considering it was happening from beyond the grave. First of all, let me just, I'm just going to briefly say we're going to go back to what we were talking about. God bless Brittany Murphy because I one I love her, but I especially love her in as Luann on King of the Hill. Oh, you do. I do, and it was it was so good. But anyway, I, I you know how I love her. Let's get so I love her to, not sporadically because I love her in Clueless. Back back to Pitch Perfect. Men um, are from Mars, women are from Venus. <laughs> back to Pitch Perfect though, but yeah, like the the. It's super campy. The music is really cute. I think everyone, that's kind of what was one of the first things. Oh, well, no, there was Glee. I was going to say that was one of the first things that let people fall in love with the, the mashup. But no, Wait Glee, a minute, which one came out first? I think, I think Glee came out first. When did Pitch Perfect come out? Glee came out in 2009. Glee. I'm going to IMDb it. Okay, I'm checking on Glee just to double check you. Glee's well, I know I'm right. <laughs> Pitch Perfect came out in 2012, so Glee came out first. Yes, so so Glee did kind of start the mashup thing, I guess. Um, but but yeah, they we love a good mashup. Like the songs there are fucking great. Um, oh, so anyway, back to my fucking Donna Snow because I'm an idiot. Fucking Britney Snow. Uh, Britney, God, shut. See Donna Murphy, Don, Britney Murphy. My the, friend Donna Snow and I used to go to <laughs> the Woolworths. And we think we love a sale, all right? Donna Snow. And you know, let me tell you something about Donna Snow. She makes quite an amazing ambrosia salad. It is to die for. Let me tell you, she's a bitch from hell, but I love her. I do anything for her. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I'm a fine. So, listen, if we gained any fucking followers in episode one, we just lost them because I'm a fucking mess. Brittany Snow. Brittany, Brittany Snow. Snow. What I love, my favorite scene in that movie is when Anna Kendrick is in the shower. It's like at the very beginning of the movie. Anna Kendrick's in the shower and she's singing Titanium. And Brittany Snow just whips open the fucking shower curtain and she's like, you can't sing. And she's like, dude, I'm naked. She's so cute in that movie. And then she convinces her to sing part of Titanium while they're both standing there naked in the shower. It just, it, that scene cracks me up so much. And I also just, they have such a great, their voices blend so well together. They just sound really nice together. But I was, every time that scene happens, I like laugh my ass off. And actually, funny story, a couple weeks ago, 
during the pandemic. It was really late. I was working on an art project and I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch Pitch Perfect while I do whatever the fuck I'm working on. And I watched it and I got to the, and I finished the movie, but I was almost done with the project, but not quite done. And I was like, Oh God, it's going to take so long to find another show to watch for like just another 20 or 30 minutes. It was like, fuck it. And I just restarted the movie and started watching it from the beginning again. Oh my God. I did that with the favorite. I do that too. Oh man. Do you even, do you, I watched it all the way through twice. Cause I like it. That's so funny. Is, is there another like musical adjacent movie that like you can think of that like the gays love? Hmm. Or just, or would, just our, you know, just our people, the, the people that would join us. For I would say to an extent, I would put Priscilla, Queen of the Desert in that, in that camp. It has Am a bunch of musical numbers. I'm going to get crucified right now. I have not seen that. Oh, well, it's just, you know, it's about drag queens, but it has a lot of, like, distinct musical numbers. Got it. Okay. That okay. they do yeah. on the road. Well, then we're going to get to the other debate of the century, which is the better drag movie, Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, or Priscilla Green of the Desert. I actually I, vote for Tu Wong Fu. I have seen Tu Wong, tu Wong Fu, Thank You, Julie like Newmar, which is honestly, I, I'm not going to lie, the title drives me crazy. Uh, huh? I, I hate the title, actually. Well, you can abbreviate it Tu Wong Fu if you'd like. I know, but it's still like, why is it? It's like, I don't know. Don't I, Maybe I need to watch it again. I don't know. It's fantastic. I've seen it 975 times. <laughs> yeah. I, I've actually only seen it like once, but I did, it was re, it wasn't that long. It was probably like a couple years ago, probably like four or five years ago I saw it. John Leguizamo, they're all fantastic, but John Leguizamo in particular is fantastic. He is really good. I got more legs than a bucket of chicken. <laughs> you think I want to be sitting in this broken down car with you two stuck up putas? No, I don't think so. <laughs> so good oh my god i'm okay. gonna find the man and i'm gonna ride him to the next time i'm gonna get the fuck out of here okay oh my god <laughs> so jesus, good jesus christ me oh, and my friends albert and kendrick used to say that we were going to remake the movie and we were going to cast it not along race lines because we all line up very cute there's one hispanic person one white person and one black person but we all changed roles because it just didn't fit our personalities i'm actually Vita, because I'm like the ringleader, and Albert's white, but he's Nazi because he's a bitch. <laughs> that and Ke- oh. oh yeah, and yeah. Kendrick's Chichi. <laughs> yeah, no, that totally. I, I totally see that. That yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Oh yeah, and I don't know Albert or Kendrick very well, but like I've met them both long enough to be like, oh, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of see why you. Do I mean, that. I always want to be Nazi because I love her lines. You know, girlfriend, did you just pull a Yui? I'm get you. <laughs> I'm a getcha. I love that movie. I believe it's probably time to move into our next topic. Folks, we're, we're, we're going to keep it getting more and more morose and more serious. <laughs> like our next topic. <laughs> it only goes downhill from here, kids. Trust me. It's my birthday on Thursday. <laughs> oh, boy. Next week's episode. Ah, just me and... Just me because I'll scream for an hour while Nick is like, Andy, for God's sake, get it together. <laughs> I was going to say it's going to be just me because you're going to be hiding in a dark closet. No, 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 no. I mean, uh, there'll be variety. It'll start out primal scream and then it'll, it'll lower into like a guttural moan. You know? Okay. I think we can we do could. that. Hope you're ready, listeners. It's going to be kind of like throat singing, but not. Anyway. I mean, anything involving a throat is my wheelhouse, so it should be okay. <laughs> It's on brand. <laughs> exactly, exactly. If you don't know what throat singing is, you need to Google it. It sounds really strange. I've known a few men who've made my throat sing, so I'll explain it later. <laughs> I had an interesting experience one day where I was on a, a date with a gentleman. And it was an actual date, just to clarify, because I know what you hoes are thinking. Specifically, specifically Andy, because he thinks I'm a hoe. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you impugn my... Anyway, uh, he, he, we were out, we were talking, and somehow we got into the topic of gay bars, and he was just kind of, like, talking about how he was not about gay bars. And it wasn't, like... This was a little different. It wasn't quite, like, oh, I'm not into this scene, which is really what we, we're going to be talking about. It was more like a oh, I don't think we really need them anymore. And we're, seg- basically, it's like, it's self-segregation. Ooh. 
we should be, you know, we should be amongst the people and there's no reason to be separated from like, you know, being versus being at just like a regular bar. And I thought that was really strange. And I was kind of trying to make a coherent argument as to why I thought that was bullshit. But this was a very long time ago. And I wasn't quite as eloquent as I'm barely eloquent right now. Let's just put that out there with the amount of times Eric has to edit out my ums. <laughs> so yeah, he, he, I thought it was kind of odd. I was like, that doesn't sound right to me. I don't really agree with you. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about. But we're, we're more specifically talking about like people who are like, oh, I'm not into the scenes. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, what, who, who are you? So yeah, Andy. Care to elaborate? <laughs> right? So yeah, what do, you, what do you think that that means? Like, I, I think that that means, in my opinion, how I see that is that kind of like, oh, I don't like going to gay bars. I don't like going to drag shows. I don't watch Drag Race. I feel like a lot of these things are tied back to drag queens, which is like all we talk about on this podcast. Uh, but yeah, so what what do you what do you think? Oh, uh, well, right off the bat, I've been privy to people talking that way and you know, putting that opinion forth. I love how you said that he said, I just want to be amongst the people. I was like, Oh, so you don't want to go to a gay bar and be among barn animals? Like what are we? Like <laughs> that, was, that was funny. I was like, Jesus Christ. I like being around people too. I didn't realize that people couldn't be gay, buddy. But anyway. I like that you said barn animals. My little piggy friend. Beep, beep. I don't know what you're referring to. How dare you? Um, no, but the first thing I think of, honestly, is that there is definitely a group of people in the LGBTQ plus community that seem either unwilling or unable to accept the fact that no matter how much progress we make, we're still statistically a minority, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. And I think someone like him probably wants there to be so little distinction between gay people and non-gay people that they blend, I guess. And like, I don't really think that that's, it's not the way I want it. I also think, I'm not trying to be judgmental or anything, but I, I can't help but think that someone who does want something like that probably has that opinion as an outgrowth of a little internalized homophobia. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have anything that you're ashamed of, then why would you really care that you're one of X number of people in the world who is that way. Yeah, no, I get you, I get you. Like if you have a rare, uh, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, if, if you, ah, I can't think of an example, but if you had something else that made you part of a very small subset of people that wasn't homosexuality, why would you be so concerned about being singled out for that? Mm-hmm. If you had red eyes and they looked beautiful, they looked like rubies and you were one of one out of a million people have them. Like, why the fuck would you care that you're a minority? You know, why would you try to pretend that you have normal looking eyes? You don't. And there's something wrong with that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so that's that's my main thing, I guess. It's funny um, too, because you, you, you said something about uh, internalized like homophobia. It's funny, in this particular, in that particular instance, that person did not give me that vibe. I didn't get like that, you know, I didn't get that, but I mean, who the fuck am I to, who am I to say? I don't fucking know. For all I know, he was like, had, did have inter- that kind of like internet. Well, you, you could be right, but let's not forget that internalized homophobia can be very, very insidious. And sometimes even the person who has it can't see it. Yeah, they don't really realize it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, he's, he's enough, you know, evolved past it that he's out on a date with you in public and you're both men, but who knows what he's thinking on the inside, you know? Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I feel like, my issue with, especially the going back just to that particular conversation, where he mentions like, oh, about not needing like gay bars or needing, let's just for the sake of simplicity, needing our safe spaces, you know, and it's hard to, it, safe spaces is, I feel like I'm safe most places. I'm also fucking, you know, white as the driven snow. So there's that. <laughs> but but that, that being said though, I still wouldn't feel comfortable at a regular bar approaching another man and maybe starting, a con- not necessarily even hitting on him, but even just starting a conversation with him. You know, I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable doing that just because what if I, I don't know, maybe I sound gay and they're going to be like, Oh, this guy's hitting on me or, you know, it's, so there's a whole, you know, there's there, I, they, in my opinion, they do definitely still have a place 
they definitely still have a place for sure. And that's just one reason amongst like a million others. But, uh, well, I'd also just add, add upon what you said, even if you're not uncomfortable with that, you most people would probably be less comfortable with that than doing it in the gay bar. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, that's a great way to say it. If you poll 100 people, are you as comfortable in a straight bar doing that than you are as a gay bar? Would anybody really say yes? Like I was going to say, I don't think anyone would say yes to that. <laughs> I don't think anybody would say yes to that. I mean, unless you're just that bitch, but, you know, good for you. <laughs> Listen, good for you. Go get that. I get on a motherfucker no matter where I am, no matter what time it is. If I want it, I want it. <laughs> and good for you, Mazel tov. Go, go get that D, girl. Go get that Hell D. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you brought up a really good point when you were talking about, what did you say? Now I'm doing what you did. You said something to the effect of like, when you were discussing internalized homophobia and like safe spaces and like, it, it, go, it, it does go back to kind of your experience with coming out. Oh, when you were saying that you're hella white. You know, people have varied, you know, experiences coming out that are affected by a broad number of, you know, socio-political factors like race, where they grew up, they're, you know, were you rich, were you poor, da 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 da, da. And I think somebody who, who kind of decries the need for gay spaces maybe didn't have it as hard as other people did. Yeah, actually, and I think that that's a really good point. And listen, he was also, he was also white, so maybe, maybe he didn't have as many issues with that. I don't fucking know. And again, I'm just basing on him being white. Like, that doesn't really mean, it does mean something, but it doesn't necessarily, it's not the whole picture. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I was trying to say. Like, there are uh, so many mitigating factors to whether or not your coming out was easy or not, quote unquote, that it really could affect, you know, what you need today. Yeah, for sure. Also, I, I just realized you, you reminded me of this argument I got into once at a gay bar with a very good friend of mine who, for some reason, got very, very irrationally angry about the idea that me and another guy were floating, that just because it's... I think it was 2017. Just because it's 2017 doesn't mean that coming out is now easy and, and they just waltz out of the closet and, like, you know, do a Lady Gaga routine from the video and, like, you know, sashay off into the leather bar. You know, it, it, that doesn't happen. And he was very, very angry. He's like, no, nowadays you just do it. I was like, mm, I think you're wrong about that. You know, like, yeah. people make that assertion either because they're envious of what it's like now versus what it was like for them or they just have that weird thing where they want to blame the younger generation for everything, like the whole millennial thing. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing is also, just because people are coming out younger doesn't mean that it's easy. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there are definitely a lot more people coming out at younger, like younger ages. Like we're talking like seven, eight, nine, you know, coming out and saying, I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> what? What happened? Eric knows why I'm laughing because he's holding up a fucking card at me. So yeah, it now I, I totally lost my train of thought. Sorry, 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 sorry. Oh god damn it. Well, no, I think you were trying to say that you know, just if even if somebody comes out at fucking in elementary school, oh, at yes. eight years old, doesn't mean it's not going to be difficult. Yeah, yeah, they're it's, just doing it earlier, you know. Exactly, and that's because yeah, it maybe it's more accepted, but they're. And it is, and I think it is definitely more accepted now than it was. Like, and I've yeah. said a thousand times, <laughs> people are getting sick of me uh, repeating this. But I just started. Uh, I just finished finally uh, that book about Stonewall, and it, you know, like that was like again, this was in the seventies and the or the like late sixties, early seventies. But like that was sixty nine. 1969. Well, yes, that was the year of that was the year of the riots themselves. But the whole thing kind of is in that they talk about stuff that's happened in like the 60s and the 70s, and you know, like these people were like these kids at that time in particular. These kids were a lot of them were homeless. A lot of the the kids that participated in the riots were homeless, like street kids. Like they were they were street urchins, if you will. And, um, Don't try to make this Oliver, okay? Keep going. <laughs> and so, yeah, they they were really young, and they they were homeless, and that doesn't necessarily happen as much, but that still happens. Like that's the thing that does still happen. Families will find like if you come out, or if you're somehow caught, like if your family found your like porn, or they whatever they walked into having sex. I don't know. Whatever it is, like 
you know, you, you families still react that way. They still kick their kids out. They still say, oh, well, if that's the lifestyle you want to lead, you have to leave. Or, or worse, oh, well, you have to go to conversion therapy, and it, that's your only option. If you go to that, you can stay in the house. If not, you have to leave. <laughs> Yeah, like, and nobody can say that's not a real life thing when the sitting vice president of the United States supports that. Because he's a dumpster person. And um, if you don't like me saying that, you can fucking leave. And you know what else you're reminding me of? The one thing that is absolutely independent of the time you live in or whatever is I feel, and you know, tell me if you agree, that ultimately the, the hardest work of coming out is really in yourself. Oh, absolutely. Like, the way that society is structured, you're always going to get encoded messages from the time that you're cognizant enough to receive them that it's supposed to be a man and a woman. Those messages are in every part of media, every facet of life, every story that you're read, everything that you hear, everything that you see in the world. So you have to, you have to push against that and overcome that. And that's everybody. doesn't yeah. matter what year, doesn't matter where you live that always is going to have to happen. Yeah. And because, because going back to our, our, what we were talking about before, whether you like it or not, gay people will probably always be a minority. Therefore, society will always send you those messages and you have yeah. to overcome those messages and realize that just because you're receiving them doesn't mean that that's how you have to live. Yes. And the nice, one thing that is nice in regards to media, as far as movies, TV shows, books, comics like everything the whole the whole gam the whole gamut of, of it you're seeing more characters that have a some kind of let's just call it queer sexuality like it's not really it maybe it's not defined maybe they're gay maybe they're this maybe that they're they you know they're you're seeing more and more of that even in even in cartoons you're seeing it more and more and it's not overt it's it's subtle it's not sexual or anything it's just it's there and i think it I think that's what helps kids kind of wrestle with it a little bit more. And even to, to uh, bring it to Disney for a second. So Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know if either, I don't know if either of you have seen this, but there was a Disney just released. It came out, I think yesterday. Today is the what? In real 24th. time, in real time, today is the 24th. In podcast time, it could be, you know, March uh, 150th. 1785. I hope this letter <laughs> finds you well. <laughs> and uh, so two days ago, Disney released a short called Out. And it's so cute. I watched it last night. Um, did you cry? I, you know what? I ah! it was touching, but I did not cry. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't like super emotional. I mean, it, it depends who watches it, I think. Um, and I've been like super emotional recently. Like I've been getting in touch with my team a little bit more, but like this particular instance watching that, it, it didn't get me to cry, but it definitely made me, it made me feel the feels, you know, and it was basically just this guy's coming out story to his parents. Uh, yeah. and it's, really cute. it's a really cute little short. It's only nine minutes long. So in reality, it's only like seven minutes long. There are dogs involved. It's absolutely worth watching. It's a, it's a really it's a really cute little so, short. So pup play. Shut up. You're so stupid. Yes, he was wearing a leather puppy mask in a Disney animated film. Best film of the year. Best film of the year. It's great. Cancel the Oscars. Yeah. Oh my god! I told my straight friends about puppy play and the mask, and they're like, "I'm sorry, what?" They didn't get it, did they? <laughs> they had no idea what I was talking about. I even showed them. I even showed them the puppy masks. They're like, "What the fuck is going on? What are you people doing?" I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> See, in my brain, I was about to say what I said, and I was so happy that I was talking to you, and that there would be no explanation necessary. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very nice. It was a nice moment. <laughs> if it was anybody else, I was laying that joke on. It would have been a rough. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. I would have been, I would have sat up and begged for you to understand. Anyway. Boo. Eric. I'm done. I promise. I'm Eric, done. edit him out. <laughs> when am I just gonna have my own show when I soliloquize the entire hour? It's just two it's just two long monologues. Just each of us speaking. Forty five minutes of um Yeah, with exactly me like um like um like so. It's Buddhist, really. Um <laughs> 
But uh, but yeah, so that was. That was Tina Turner. But anyway. Yeah, and damn it, I had a point too when you were telling, and then I decided to make pup play jokes. Um, uh, well, we basically we were talking about like how it's how it's coming into more mainstream things, like even yes. Disney. Yes. Has... And I know I talk about math all the time, but I'm a nerd and I love math. It's just like the more that you see that you have that I am seen moment or children have the I am seen moment, which is great and it helps. Statistically speaking, it's never going to overcome the man woman dynamic that is everywhere. You know, yeah. like it's, it's just not enough, you know, so you're going to have to still go through that thing. And it's great that you go through it at like seven, eight, and then you're like a nine year old drag queen. I love that. <laughs> it's great. But yeah, it, it, it is. It's great that you're seeing it in so much more mainstream media and the again highly recommend the video it's it's like i said it's only nine minutes it's called out and it's on disney plus yeah you know what you also reminded me of because he said it was a story of him coming out to his parents i think i mentioned this to you before and i can't i wish i could remember what book it was because i'd love to cite it uh to encourage people to read it but i was reading a book once many many years ago about coming out to your parents and the quote that like stuck in my mind is that when you tell your parents that you're gay and they genuinely didn't know, so they're really surprised, that it's like they're not angry that you're gay. It's like it's like a mourning, a death, because they have to mourn the idea of who they thought you would be. But yeah, no, you're right. It's like a, it's like they're mourning a death because they're they had this whole thing built up about like this other person, this person that you were supposed to become, and yeah, that person's gone. You're not. You know, you're not this person who's going to necessarily fall in love with a, a, a man or a woman and you're going to, you know, go out and you're going to have kids and, you know, all this fucking bullshit that they built up because that's what they're used to because that's what they're used to seeing in real life, in, in fiction, in, you know, in TV and all that shit. Yeah, and I, I brought it up because I feel like that's something that's also never going to not be true, you know? Yeah, and but like, so I found, I, I this has been floating around, it's a meme that's been floating around Facebook and the quote is, and this is at completely applicable to what we're talking about right now. Like, it, it really sums it up nicely. Queer people don't grow up as ourselves. We grow up playing a version of ourselves that sacrifices authenticity to minimize humiliation and prejudice. The massive task of our adult lives is to unpick which parts of ourselves are truly us and which parts we've created to protect us. Mm. I, it, it really is true because... And that's the other thing, because it's, it's interesting that you said that they're so upset because it's like they're mourning this, this, the death of this person. But, real, but also, you're kind of doing that as well because your parents had this expectation of you and then you're like, listen, that's not how it is. And at that point, you're, that fake, that facade you've been putting up for them, you don't need it anymore. You know, and it's very much like a snake kind of shedding its skin. It takes work to like to get rid of all that old shit and to to you know move into this new place where you're comfortable in your skin. Um, yeah, and I mean you're right. You it, it, you're 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 sloughing it off, but there could also be parts of it that you feel like you might be losing, even though you didn't hate them. You know? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. The real you and the fake you are so inextricably linked. You don't really know when one ends and one begins, especially when you're a child and you're just barely figure out who you are as a person anyway and you add that on mm -hmm. it's like very confusing and very yeah, yeah. you you really have to like fucking get in there and like pick apart your psyche and like figure it out yeah that's, and you're like 15 <laughs> yeah exactly and and that's the thing like it's so it's hard because do one doing that on your own is challenging enough i mean granted now therapy has become so commonplace that a lot of people have uh a lot of people have, um, you know, an easier an easier way to kind of go about it because um, they have another person to talk to. But so, you know, you can do it yourself. But it like it's a lot of work. It's not easy to figure that out. And honestly, it really, I just feel like it's just a matter of just not giving a fuck what people think and just doing, you know, doing you, being how you want to be. And you're you're reminding me of something like going back to your guy that you dated on that date. Um, you know, you're you're feelings about it are going to change you know they're not finite and they're not set in stone by any means because as much as you might find this hard to believe <laughs> knowing who you know now and you only met me a few years ago when i was in high school you know my darling darling 12th grade english teacher who was quite obviously a lesbian because she was 
like a little boy who wore overalls. <laughs> she wore overalls every day. And she was so cute. And she had her roommate. And I'm like, mm-hmm. But, you know, it was the 90s, and she didn't want to get fired, so she wasn't about to, like, overtly state that she was a lesbian, but everyone knew. Yeah. And she wanted to get me to run the gay club. And I was so adamantly against it. I was like, I don't want to be defined as being gay, and I don't want that to be the only thing that people think of when they think of me. And it could not be more different now, as you know. Like, gay is the days long. And I am heterosexuality. It took you on corporeal form, and then my mother got pregnant, and there I was. But, um, you are you're the paragon of heterosexuality. You really are. Bro. Heterosexuality? You said home, You said heterosexuality. I think you meant homosexuality. I did? He did, didn't he? Okay, to make you sure, I'm not crazy. Oh my God, look what COVID has done to me. <laughs> it was terrible. Eric, get the gun. Get the gun. We're gonna put it. We're gonna bring him out back and put it out of his misery. What happens when you don't have any your access to vitamin D? Like, you start to, like I'm going crazy. Uh, <laughs> but you know, like I mean, that is that is so not me now. I love being other. I love being. Us, you know, far and away, far and away from like you know the the main lane of life, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no. I before, but when I was in high school, I was like I had a chip on my shoulder about it, you know, to an extent. Yeah. I like I, I enjoy, far closer to the guy you were talking about than I am now. Yeah, I enjoy being uh, walking off the beaten path. It's fun. Yeah, man, it's more fun. The road, the road less traveled. Who was that? Robert Frost or some shit. Wait, what, what'd you say? Road Less Traveled, Robert Frost, right? Yeah. Oh, I, I was thinking of the novel. Okay. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> my obscure, my weird poetry reference. You're welcome. That literally don't read poetry or Robert Frost. It's just a memory from high school that just unlodged itself from my brain. I had to move because uh, my, I charged my iPad and it was still dying. I had to move you to this nice window view. I know. I feel like it is lovely there. It's lovely there this time of year, Andy, in Brooklyn. It looks onto the air, the air shaft. How lovely. Oh, my, my. I have to warn people when they come over that that weird moan. It sounds like a man moaning. It's the pigeons. They sound like one man going like, uh, 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 uh. and it like frightens people. They're like, is there somebody in that room? I'm like, no. That's, that's the same sound that you make. When you are, uh, you see a really hot person, you go. That's the face that you make. I do that, don't I? The sound is kind of similar. You do do that. <laughs> it's my mating call. <laughs> it lets them know. I like. I go like this, and I go. I'm just a dumb slutty bottom. Put it no, in. I mean, I'm, I'm laying out pheromones. He's got. He's got his big ass fan, and he's just like. Actually, it's the other way around, because remember I told you that story about having that really serious conversation with my friend at the Eagle? I, th- I think so, yeah. yeah. I we were having such a deep emo, co- emo conversation at the Eagle, which we should never have been doing that, because why at the Eagle? And he went to get us more drinks, and he was gone for probably all of 60 seconds, and he came back, and I was licking someone's armpit. <laughs> and he was like, I'm, we're having a conversation. You can't leave me alone at the Eagle. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> who, who, t- you can't do that. That's on you. You don't have the Eagle. I mean, I smelled the guy's armpit. I was like, can I lick your armpit? He was like, yes, it took not very long at all. Like, it, you know. That uh, reminds me. Oh, my God. That reminds me. You cannot leave me unattended at a place like that. You know that. No, that is, a, that is very valid. That's completely true. I was going to say that reminds me of... My coworker was, um, he was, he's a bartender and he's standing behind the bar and this guy was like, hey, can I, can I rub my beard? No, he said, can I rub my beard in your armpit? And my coworker was like, and of course my coworker's a fucking gross slut. And he goes, yeah, whatever. Can you explain, how does that work? I will explain. It's going to make a lot more sense in a second. So the guy pulls my coworker in and shoves his face in his armpit. He said beard, not beer, but he heard beer. So he thought that he said, can I rub my beer in your armpit? But he actually said, can I rub my beard in your armpit? He wanted his like smelly armpit stench in his beard. So he accidentally gave him what he wanted. 
yes. Interesting. I, he would have said yes either way. That's the funny part. Like, he really would have. Let's be real. Nothing was going to stop him. Depraved hooker slut from hell. <laughs> Couldn't love him more. Uh, your kin- your kindred spirits. Your kindred spirits. You really are. Except in your uh, except in your vocabularies, because he says words like confusement. Which, <laughs> Don't which, be mean. Listen, Don't I'm not being mean. We fuck with each other constantly and make fun of each other all the time. This is not he me. He make fun of you a lot. He makes fun of me all the time. Yeah. There are so many videos of me screaming and him just filming instead of helping me when I need help. And I'm like stuck with a box between like two. Well, it's just ridiculous. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's a good time. It's a good time. So I think it's time for us to wrap up. Andy had something he wanted to mention, which is absolutely worth mentioning. So please. Oh, I just want to mention that a lot of people probably already heard that the oldest gay bar in all of San Francisco is a stud which is in Soma, which is a great, great, great bar. And it's been very entertaining for many years. It's closing due to the COVID shutdown. And that's very, very sad. And if I could get on my soapbox for just a minute, it kind of saddens me more that I know that if five, even five gay tech people, gay tech queens got together with the money that's in the couch cushions of their chaise lounge, they could probably save the bar, but they're not going to. So, Peter Thiel, you're an asshole. Fuck you. <laughs> That's such a sad. That's really sad. So wait, when? Uh, where is it located? It's in. It's, it's, in, it's, it's in the South Market District, Soma. Okay. And I was like, it's great. I was like, who's Soma? Um, <laughs> I was like, Stoma. I'm talking out of my Stoma. I don't. I miss. I miss. Oh. Oh. I thought you were gonna go somewhere way more genial. Like I'm so mad. I'm so bad. Oh no, I went to Stoma because I'm disgusting. Oh my god. That's where I smoke my cigs. I put them in my stoma. Oh my god, it sounds like a place where you can keep things in your body. Like, I stoma cigarettes right here. Oh man. Therein lies the problem. Oh god. There's like a stowaway pun there too. How do you know that? What, a stoma? Yeah. That's what it's called. But why do you know that? I don't know. I'm gross. I don't fucking know. It's, what, that's what it's called. This, <laughs> but you have a weird medical fetish, don't you? Anyway, back to back to Soma or the stud. Yeah, that's, that's all. I mean, I, I hope that someone will come and save it. And it, it is very early. It only got announced like two days ago, and it is theoretically possible. But I don't have too much faith in the denizens of San Francisco like I used to because it's been gradually losing its soul piece by piece for about 15 years. So that sucks. Yeah, I've heard that from so many people. From so We wouldn't know each other if it hadn't because I would have moved back there a long time ago. Yeah. How, um, how old is it? When did the bar open? Do you know? That I would have to look up, but I think, I think at least the 70s, something like that. Oh, wow. Okay. She's old, honey. She's older than I am. <laughs> is she, though? And she may be closing, but I'm still open for business, honey. I just need this pandemic to be over. Okay. <laughs> I'll be working double shifts to make up for the, the, the secession of the services rendered. Okay. I told yesterday, I don't remember who I was talking to, but they said something about wanting to see my face. And I was like, oh, it was my friend. It was my friend from the gym. He was like, oh, I said, oh, I miss your face. He's like, I miss your face too. And I was like, well, you could see a whole lot of that and more on my OnlyFans, which does not exist, but it's still made. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Your OnlyFans is where you're, you're like in a dock and you like kneel in front of the camera and just go, um. <laughs> my OnlyFans is just me I'm at my like crafting table, but I don't have socks on. It's so Ooh, Ooh take put take those socks off. No, put those socks back on. I want to see those socked feet. No, take them off. Everyone's arguing all the time on my OnlyFans page. My fict my fictitious OnlyFans page. Yeah, I bet that's what it's like though. Uh, yeah, it's fun. It's, I mean, listen, who knows? Anything could happen. Sometimes we get desperate. And who knows? Only your fans. Only my, only my fans. Only my fans. My only fans channel is just me, like in front of all these, like you know, oscillating, handheld. It's only fans. I was <laughs> going to make that joke. God damn it! Ah, beat you. <laughs> I'm like surprised a, you didn't. I am very like shocked. A, it's like a goddamn hurricane up in this bitch. 
Oh my God. Oh my God. We should make a joke only fans page. That's just fans. I think we need to actually do it. Like I know we just joked about it, but I think we should actually do it. We should do it. And we should narrate it like, Oh my God, look at you. You're going back and forth like that at different speeds. It's so fucking hot. Oh, Oh, yeah, keep going. Oh. <laughs> okay, listen, we just trademarked that. No one's allowed to steal that idea, God damn it. Like, too close to a metal fan, so it's like, you ever travel from our king? But if you do steal that idea, please let us know uh, so we can watch it, because it'll be funny. So we can sue you. So we can sue that as well, so we can sue you. Like um, Sylvia Driscoll. <laughs> like, so, so, listen, Sylvia Calm down. I'll Look. never forget her name. I have this weird facility for remembering court cases. <laughs> that makes sense. That tra- that tracks knowing your personality. That makes total sense. Do you want to know what the 1986 landmark case that decriminalized sodomy federally was called? I want to think of a really fun pun, but I can't. Go. There is a pun coming because the case is called Bowers versus Hardick. Oh, there it is. Does that not sound like Bowels versus Hard Dick to you? Yep, it does. It there, does you say, there's that pond. It's right there. She's I'll never waiting. forget it. She's just there waiting for it. Waiting for it. There we go. Well, the hung jury. <laughs> oh! Woo! She's got jokes, kids. And a stoma. Anyway, so everybody, <laughs> Andy, your face, you're mortified. Uh, well, it's been fun, everyone. Uh, and yes. I'm. Glad we got to have this time and chat with you. We'll join us next time on, uh, oh, that's right, I'm gay. You are? This whole time? The whole time? The whole time? Oh, my God. The whole time? We have to, we have to go.